Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. One of my friends, when I was about 14, 15 years old, I was in, I think it was ninth grade at the time. I remember this specific conversation. He said to me, guys that do drugs are dumb. We kind of nodded a bit together. It was like, it was, a, it was a funny phrase. However, my friend went to a new school, new school, new environment, new environment, new friends. And it wasn't too long until my friend who thought guys that did drugs began to do drugs. Fast forward about five years and my friends and I, different, we, we were tired and, and we had this conversation amongst one another. We said, what happened to I'm going to call him George. His name isn't George, but I'm going to call him George just in case he watches. <laughs> Our friend said, man, what happened to him? He got messed up. I would say this. He was lured by the lure. He was captured. He was baited. See, lures are luring. Can I have the fishing rod? Can we thank Kathy? Yes. You ever been fishing before? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I mean, it's a very simple thing. Here's the lure, and the lure is shiny. The lure looks like a tiny little fish for a fish, but obviously at the end of it, it has a hook, and the lure is baiting the fish and the fish is looking and seeing it and he's just paying attention to the pleasure, right? He's just paying attention and before you know it, what happens, that little friendly fish ends up on your plate. A nice salmon maybe. A man recently that you would know, you know his name, he got lured. He was a governmental official. He literally stepped down from his platform recently out of private indiscretions. He had to step away. And I think to myself, man, what happened to him? I guarantee when he first went into office, he's like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change my city. I'm going to change my state. And I guarantee that he thought that. He was like, man, I'm going to make a difference, but he got drunk on power. He got lured by the lure. And all of a sudden he had to admit to everyone, I'm stepping away because I have betrayed this position. You know, for some reason, I don't know why, we often think it won't happen to us. We often think for some reason, that's that person, that famous person, that's someone in the Bible. Why would that happen to me? And I'm here today to tell you it happens to you. It happens to me. It happens to humanity and it's been happening to humanity for all of humanity. It's been happening. I know a preacher, won't say his name. He was writing 
a sermon. He was reading the Bible and a waitress comes up to him, slips him a phone number. That girl wants you to call. You can't be much more spiritual than reading a Bible, writing a sermon. And temptation came just around. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is, what does that say? What does that say? Come on, what does that say? Those in the back, what does that say? Common, it's common. So often I've found when you talk to people, they feel like their sin is special. Your sin's not special. It's common. Most people, at least to some extent, deal with it. It may not be quite your flavour, but it's common. And God is faithful. Someone say He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now that doesn't mean he, he does it all for you. But when you are tempted, when, not if, when. When's temptation coming? Maybe it's coming this week. Maybe it's coming a month from now. Maybe it's coming a year from now, but it is coming. Let me say it again, it's coming. You're like, I'm single, temptation. You're like, I'm dating, temptation. I'm married, temptation. I got divorced, temptation. I'm in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, temptation. I'm I'm tempted to worry, how about you? You meet some people these days that are worried. You meet some people these days that are anxious. I talked to someone the other day and I could tell in the person's eyes there was fear. I could just see it, tempted to do lots of things. Have you ever given much thought to Judas? Judas Iscariot. I've never heard someone come up to me like, Pastor Anthony, I'm, I'm doing a deep dive and studying the life of Judas. I've never heard anyone call their kid Judas. Judas, the most famous backstabber the world has ever known. The most well-known, infamous betrayer in the history of the world, that's, that's Judas. His name is synonymous with evil, betrayal, lies, names like Adolf Hitler, names like Joseph Stalin, names like even Chavez, who all got drunk on power and were instruments of evil. And we often think that could never happen to us. I could never be an instrument of evil. Are you sure? I could never be. I'm holy. I'm in church. I could never be an instrument of evil. Are you sure? Judas was one of the 12 chosen by Jesus. 12 is the number of government in the scriptures. When Israel has 12 sons, that's pretty busy. 12 sons, they become the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes. That trickles on down for thousands of years as basically you call it 12 tribes. You may connect to this more 12 states. Israel had 12 states 
all had governors over. So when the 12 begin to follow Jesus, they know they're the 12. How many know when they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they believe He's going to become the earthly king then? So when you're the 12, you're like, ha ha, what? That's why they'd sometimes argue, who's going to be the greatest Jesus? Who's going to sit on your left and right? See, they weren't, they weren't comfortable even with the 12. I don't just want to, be, want to be one of the senators. I want to be the president next to you, Jesus. I mean, you're the president, but I'm the vice president. <laughs> Judas, infamously famous for being fake. He must be good with money because he'd look in the money bag. He took care of the money. Maybe he was an accountant. Maybe he was a math major. We don't know, but here's what we know. He used to take care of the money. He grabbed the bag one day and I wondered to himself, he thought maybe the offering was really big that day. Do you know that in the life of Jesus, it was mainly women that supported his ministry. He had to walk around with 12 other men with lots of other people following them And there were women that mainly sponsored his ministry. And so they'd give it to Judas and and Judas would walk around. I guarantee you first, he's just like taking care of the money. But one day he looks in the bag and says, man, that's a lot of money. Does Jesus really need all this money? I don't think Jesus needs all this money. Man, what if I took a little extra and I bought myself some Air Jordans? I need a new iPad. I need a new iPhone. I I don't like my car. And he begins to, it's just a thought. Someone say a thought. Thought, it's a thought, but that thought became a picture. That picture began to lure him. It was kind of like going around in the rotisserie of his mind, like a grilled chicken, just over and over again, and just catching the juices and the spices. And all of a sudden, what did he do? He took a little $100 bill, (laughs) y'all. He took a little ka-ching, ka-ching, right? He took some money and, and he got away with it at first. In John chapter 12, verse six, verse, sorry, verse three, then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet. She's worshiping Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? Why, why, why wasn't it given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself. That sounds nice, doesn't it? You ever help yourself? He's just helping himself. He's helping himself to what was put into it. That one decision lured him. Before you know it, Judas... Swallowed, and Judas, weirdly enough, began to be pulled around by evil. He was pulled around by Satan. Can we put this down for a second? Yeah, Balani, she loves a fish. You know. 
Here's what's weird. When the worship of Jesus got extravagant, when the worship of Jesus got extravagant, the love of money spoke up. Be careful of thoughts. Be careful of mindsets. Be careful of people that have no problem spending a billion dollars on a Yankee stadium, but for some reason hate it when the church expands, when the church grows, when the worship of Jesus begins to get larger. There'll always be a mammon spirit speaking up when the church begins to grow. Be careful of it. It sounds spiritual. Why didn't they give that money to the poor? I was talking to a friend of mine recently. He's like, you know, I think millionaires should give more money to the poor. I was like, how much money do you give to the poor? We were getting into it. We were close. We've been friends for years and we just went, you ever dive in? We dove in. We're like, yeah, let's talk about this right now. We talked about stuff that people don't like talking about. I'm like, all right, you give your opinion. I'm going to give mine. Let's go. He's like, millionaires doing this. I'm like, millionaires? How much money do you personally give away? And if you're not happy with that, because here's the thing, I've never been able to make anyone else give away their money. But I can give away mine. I can become more generous. I can, I can help someone. How about you? The billionaires should solve the world's problems. You can't make them give away one dollar. But you can make you give away a dollar. Are you with me? Perhaps if Judas had been supporting the ministry instead of stealing from the ministry, it all would have been different. But in the sovereignty of God, it was not to be. Listen to what John 13 verse 27 says. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what are you about to do? What you're about to do, do quickly. How did Satan enter him? Because he made space for him. How did Satan enter Judas? Because he made space. There was room by lying, by coveting, by hiding it. Now, how many of you have ever lied? Say yes. How do you get free from a lie? You gotta tell the truth. And the longer the lie stays hidden, the more it's luring to keep it hidden. But if you'll be real, if you talk to someone, say, I lied. All of a sudden, it's like the monkey gets off your back. It's like the burden leaves your life. He made space for evil. He just lied. He took some money. He coveted. Not a big deal, right? How you handle, how I handle my heart is a big deal. Listen to what Solomon said, the wisest man in all the world. He says six words that will change your life above all else. It's the first three, above all else, above everything else, above all else. Watch this now. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Those six words change lives. Above how much else? Above all else, what? 
guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows the very issues of life. I talked about last week how Paul considered himself literally a slave of Christ. He was captured by the love of God. He he literally was arrested by the love of God. He considered himself a slave of Christ. and, And that very phrase doesn't seem attractive, does it? But here's what's interesting. I was reading, been reading the book of Romans recently. And in Romans 6, he gives us his perspective on this. He says, verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Verse 17 gives the strength and hope. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance You have been set free from sin through Christ and have become slaves to righteousness. It may not be some terminology that you are used to, like I'm no one's slave, but here's the interesting thing. You'll be a slave to someone. You'll be a slave to something. And if you're not serving Christ, you're like, I'm not serving Christ like I used to. Guess what? You'll be serving something else, someone else. And you'll often notice it'll actually be you. You're like, I don't believe in other gods. Then you're your own God. You make up your own morals. You determine your own destiny. You've actually swallowed the lie from Satan when he told Eve, you shall be like God. Judas was lured by the lure. What's the final condition of a man who was lured by the lure? This is a warning, I think, in Scripture. Acts 1.25, they are appointing new leaders to replace Judas. And here's what it says. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice and Matthias. Verse 24, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. That's some strong words, isn't it? They're literally saying Judas spent eternity away from God. Judas got lured and it actually cost him his soul. Jesus later said, what good would it profit a man if it gained the whole world and yet what? Lost his soul. Judas lost his soul. Started well, ended badly. Got lured by lies, lured by the love of money. Hmm. Now that I've warned you, have I warned you? <laughs> How many know you need to come to church and get some warning sometime? It's like a stop sign, like stop, stop. Why? Because cars are coming this way. What did I just do? I said stop. Look through the lure, overcome temptation. Don't just say everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. If everyone's jumping off a cliff, are you jumping off? Better be some water under there. (laughs) Better be a fun little jump. (laughs) 
Show the picture of the bird and the water. This summer, my wife and I were walking along the beach a couple of times, and one of the days, there was this fishing school that seemed to be all up and down the coast, and it was kind of, it made it look like a shadow, and you could see the little fishies kind of jumping up and so forth, and it was, it was cool. It was like, wow, look at that fishing school. I don't think I've ever seen such a large fishing school in my life. Here's what's interesting. They're... they're bigger fish are chasing little fish, little fish are chasing even smaller fish, and they're all just like flocking around each other. There's probably some sharks and dolphins around there and so forth, but I don't want to freak you out. But then at one point, you started to see these birds just dive bombing and capturing the fish because they've, they've all come to the surface. I started to think about fishing and luring, but I also started to think about blind spots. See, fish see forward and then they see side to side. They're not very good at seeing what's up here. So when they're chasing another fish, they're not just chasing another fish. What happens sometimes is a bird just, Ka-ka! just, Ka-ka! he's seeing it and he'll dive bomb that fish and grab him. We all have blind spots. Men, you have blind spots. Oh, go quiet. Ladies, there's some blind spots. Young people, there's some blind spots. Older people, there's some blind spots. There's blind spots. You're serving in church, there's blind spots. You're a leader in church, there's blind spots. You're a preacher, you're on the worship team, there's blind spots. And there's temptation, there's luring, but sometimes there's something you don't see and it's like it comes on down. Here's what's interesting. This is when we need the counsel of others. This is when we need, it's not just you and the Bible. No, the Bible, let me just vent for a second. Kind of vent, it's better than counseling, it's cheaper than counseling. (laughs) Sometimes Christians say the dumbest things. They're like, I just need me in the Bible. If you'd listen to the Bible, the Bible would say you're wrong. Because... God has given the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets to equip the saints for the works of ministry. He says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Jesus actually said, when we pray, our Father, not just my Father, our Father, God will always place you in community with other people so that those people can warn you. It isn't just you in the Bible. It's you and someone else. It's you and a group of people who are healthy and growing in Jesus. It's you and a collective group of people that that's where you can reach your God-given potential. I'm just going to take a season where I don't go to church. I just read the Bible all by myself. And I'm telling you right now, 99% of the time, you just become a weirdo. There was a guy coming to our church many years ago. We're back in, the, back in the day, back in the Elks Lodge, back in the day when you had to walk on through, get past the vapors of beer as people were walking through in cigarettes and come and attend church. And this one guy said to me, he, he went away, unfortunately, to prison for like 10 months. He's like, I didn't even want to be around Christians. I just, I just want to be me in the Bible. I was like, well, that's not smart. And then later he's like, oh, Jesus is coming back on May 24th. I'm like, no, he's not. And as soon as he told me that, I went, ah, they've got him. Who got him? A weirdo got him. 
strange person got him. If I ever tell you Jesus is coming back September 10th, September 11th, September 12th, I'm telling you right now, leave. Go somewhere else. I've lost my mind. I pray it never happens. I pray I just stay the course. But I'm telling you right now, if I give you a date when Jesus is coming back, you're like, Pastor, I'm out. Why? Because you told me to leave. We all get tempted. We all get lured. Here's the thing. You don't determine what you are tempted by. You are not your temptation. You're not your temptation. You will be tempted, but you're not your temptation. Don't let your temptation define who you are. Lots of people want to do that. I'm tempted by this. I must be it. No. Otherwise, we'd all be just liars and thieves and just messed up people. God saves us from that. Amen? Amen. But let me give you a thought that has helped my life for probably 25 years. When I was 18 and 19, I remember the moment for some reason I was at a gas station in Wollongong, Australia. I was filling up my car. I had been, I'd come back to God. I really began to follow and be passionately part of our church. And I began to listen to messages. I began to hunger. I was like, man, I need the Word. And I, and I heard a message by a man by the name of Dick Rubin. He was a Jewish preacher. And he said this, and maybe because I actually applied it, but it began to perhaps help me, perhaps more than many other things have helped me. And I've heard a lot of preaching over the years. He said this, Hear me now. He said, when temptation comes, when fiery darts, as Paul would call them in Ephesians 6, fiery darts for the enemy come. He says, when they come, he said, they're so simple, but it changed my life at 18 and 19 years old. He said, just pray, God, wash me of that thought. Wash me. What's he, what was he saying? Dive deeper into dependence. Listen to me. Dive deeper into dependence. When temptation comes, it'll come. Be assured of this, it's coming. You may be sitting in it right now and you're getting lured and tempted. Dive deeper into dependence. What am I really doing? I'm, in that moment, I'm saying, Emmanuel, God is with me. Therefore, I cannot beat the temptation in my own flesh. But I'm literally going, Lord, help me. Help me. Strengthen me. Wash my mind. Wash my spirit of that. And that simple phrase, wash me. Just that simple prayer. Wash me, Jesus. Wash me of that. I promise you I've done that a thousand times since I was 18 years old. Maybe more. Wash me. Help me. I'm, I'm depending on you. I need you. See, what happens with the fish? When the birds come, what do they need to do? They need to dive deeper. I'm challenging you to dive deeper. I'm encouraging you to dive deeper. I'm encouraging you to be more dependent. I'm, I'm encouraging you to hear me now, church, live. 
sometimes you don't even recognize the messages that actually change your life. That one, it changed my life. Because it was a simple thing when temptation comes, just wash me of that thought, wash my mind, wash my spirit. Now it's not the only thing. No, I just brought my thoughts and heart to God. Wash me. I'm diving deeper into dependence. I'm saying, God, I need your help. Father, I need your help. Why do we come to the house of God? Because we need His help. Why do we need the Word of God? Because we need His help. Why do we need worship? Because we need His help. The prideful think this, I won't be tempted. The humble think this, I know I'll be tempted. And because I know I'll be tempted, I'll put some barriers around my world so that the enemy does not take me down. You might be lured to hold on to a grudge. You might be lured to stray from your marriage. You might be lured with money. You might be lured with so many different things. We're all lured. It's common. It's common. Wash me with those thoughts. Listen to this last scripture. I'm running out of time. Let me say this, you don't need to be a Bible scholar, but you do need to know the the word well enough to handle it well. You don't need to be a Bible scholar, but if you want to be a growing Christian, you need to handle the word well enough so that when the enemy comes, Jesus actually, when he was tempted, did not say to the enemy, I rebuke you because I'm Jesus. He depended on the word, his father, and so that that flowed out of his mouth and then he defeated temptation. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As the God were making his appeal through us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What's this now? Why is it so important that you don't live perfectly, but you defeat temptation? Why is it so important? Because our lives are heaven's bait. Your life is heaven's bait to lure other people to Christ. If you're a father in here, be a good father so that you can be a bait lure to heaven. If, you're a, if you work, and I'm assuming most of you work. Be a good employee so that people don't look at you and go, oh, Christians, they're slack, they're lazy, they're late. No, be an ambassador, represent Christ, do it well. If you're gonna be a father, be a good father. If you're gonna be a mother, be a good mother. Keep moving forward. Why? Because our lives are preaching a message, aren't they? Why is it so important that I don't just get lured by everything around me? Why is it so important? I'm a preacher, I represent His name. So if I fall, others fall with me. If I get lured into nonsense and drama and stuff, how many know it takes down the name of Christ? But He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. All of us are Christ's ambassadors. If you're a Christian here, you are a Christ ambassador. Come on, close your eyes. Father, you see every person 
You love every person. You care deeply about every person. I pray for your church today. I pray for me today. I pray for us today. God, I pray you fill us with love that we could see through lust. Fill us with your perspective on truth and finances, on marriage and family and business and work. I pray for your people today. Right now, your word says we need you. So I declare of this place, we need you. Your word says be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I pray for your people today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just ask Him right now, Holy Spirit, fill me. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, take me deeper. That I might reflect you. Pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, help me. Anoint me to be your ambassador. Father, I thank you for your people right now. I thank you for every guest. I thank you for every man, woman watching online. Father, I thank you. Eyes closed. Just an attitude of prayer. God so loved the world. You can put your name in there. God so loved you. God so loved me that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. See, the enemy wants to lure you, but God wants to lure you. He wants to trap you, but God wants to make you to be the person you are made to be. And so if you're watching online or in this auditorium right now, and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never allowed Him to truly capture your heart with His love. You might have grown up in church or no church background whatsoever. It doesn't matter. His love can capture you. His love can forgive you and me for everything we've ever done. He offers you and me everlasting life. Not just everlasting life, but everlasting heaven, everlasting relationship with Him. He offers you a friendship with God. He offers you a gift called righteousness that you could never earn. I could never earn. He offers that to us. What's our response to the love of God? Turn to Him. Trust in Him. Put our heart and faith in the person of Christ. I'm going to ask us all to pray a prayer and that prayer can lead us to a person. Say this with me. Jesus, I declare I need you. I ask you to forgive me. I turn to you, not trusting myself, but trusting you. I declare you my Lord. You my Saviour, my very best friend, forgive my sin, make me new, change my heart, I need you, with eyes closed all across this place, just in a moment of prayer right here, right now, if you meant business with God, if you are receiving Jesus into your heart online or in person right now, I'm going to ask you to quickly raise your hand, raise it up high, all across this place. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All across this place. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else today? Raise it up high enough, long enough for me to see. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down right now. 
Father, I thank you for every person online, every person in this auditorium right now. Now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would seal that decision and seal their mind and seal their heart. Breathe on those people that responded to you right now. I want every single person to stand to your feet right now. And I want us to declare something as we close the service today. Say, Father, I thank you that I can become all you want me to become. I declare I need your grace. I declare I can dive deeper into depending on you. Strengthen my spirit. Strengthen my mind. Strengthen my life. I need your help. I need your word. I need your house. I need wisdom from other people. Help me grow in Jesus' name. Help me see through the lures of temptation. Clothe me, Father, with your armor. Fill me with your spirit. I can become, I will become an ambassador for Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you receive God's word. Come on, we give the Lord a hand. Come on.